Mexico, that's right, another on the road from the van edition of Adam versus the man this morning with Joey co-hosting. Hey, look at that from the back. Hi. And a yeah, beautiful shot, isn't this? It's like for the couple this like I this is a 94 Chevy conversion van. And I've always looked at these from a distance and kind of like looked down on them as a, a trailer RV guy and a bus RV guy. And this thing's like it's a bed with a lounge and uh a vehicle attached to it. It's perfect. It's been like, it's been really fun. I love we, my van. We were at the uh, 50th birthday party for the Libertarian Party. Dude, we got to stop calling it that. If you say party, like, yeah, the party it just for the sent, party. The party for the party. Celebration. The ain't, 50th celebration. Ain't no party like a Libertarian Party because a Libertarian Party gets awkward faster than any other. As we had plenty of this weekend, it was a very interesting event. Uh, but shout out to the LNC, uh, Libertarian National Committee, and the Colorado LP, who helped put that on. Everybody who was there was a good time. Uh, kind of an interesting meeting of the minds. I mean, it's it's a weird time like to, to do an event like this. It's the 50th anniversary of the Libertarian Party. And you would think, like, hey, let's, let's, this is going to be a big party. It's going to be a big public event. And instead, they decided to do uh, a relatively limited, more sort of uh, fundraiser-based kind of event, rather than try to throw a big party for the LP. And it's kind of like it's it's kind of too bad we're not in the position where like this is already a big deal, right? You know, it's it, it's it's an acknowledgement of our shortcomings. Let's just say here, right? As a party over fifty years. And I'm finally of, uh, like a couple, like a, I don't know what's a generation of activists within the LP, like five years. Most people do like five issue. I think probably like average period of like really engaged activism, you, or you feel like you've done five years. If you know, here's my point though. Like I've been a lifetime member. I'm going around saying this this weekend. Like, oh yeah, I've been a lifetime member since 2004. Like I got 17 years in you know, check at that level. And uh, at the time I was running libertarians of the Claremont colleges. So it's not just that like, ah, I had a thousand dollars and I bought thousand dollars back then. It's 1500 now. That's the inflation of the price of freedom. Mm. Uh, lifetime membership in the libertarian party, which Joey is, is working her way towards this year. Cause it's, you get $1,500 in a calendar year. You qualify as a lifetime member of the libertarian party. And it's a, it's a nice, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's actually, I know this sounds, a little like nerdy and esoteric because it's kind of a money thing, but in terms of like functionality, it, it, it's actually I think my favorite feature of Libertarian Party culture that it's like yeah if, if you put up a thousand dollars and well fifteen hundred dollars now in a calendar year, and there are other ways there are a lot of times people get sponsored to become lifetime members. There are a lot of broke ass Libertarian Party activists, povertarians, <laughs> and uh, and, and, uh this is this is a one of hey, um, one of my, uh, again, like favorite features in the way that it works this way is that if you have someone who, who maybe got recognized with an award at a, at a state convention or a national convention, cause they've been putting in a, a, a ton of work over the last year, someone will stand up and say, I got $500 down on a lifetime membership for so-and-so 
Who's got another hundred dollars? Who's got five hundred dollars to match me? Let's let's show that recognition, and you know, for for this person's effort that it's been that valuable of a contribution to the Libertarian Party over the past year. Let's get them a lifetime membership. So enough of that, like sidebar, like because there there are better things about Libertarian culture that are broader than this little like fundraising, like elitist organizing quirk. Do you, do you have a lifetime membership badge? Do you, have, you, you have to wear your cool little lifetime button on your jacket lapel when you go to a convention. Yeah, it's a nice perk. And there are some things that you get like, uh, you know, they'll say little thing, you know, free for lifetime members. This That's the California lifetime. I'm pointing, I'm yeah. pointing out the window to my right. And I'm at, and Joey is actually to my left, but there she is. So that, that's the California lifetime button. California's awesome and organized as a state affiliate. But as I was telling people this weekend, hey, I'm trying to be the biggest asshole I can and ask the, the hardest question of the weekend that I can. And it's 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 why are we stalled? You know, you can say we've come to we've we've gone from zero to to something, but the Libertarian Party has basically been stalled in the three to five percent range. However you want to describe, measure that, you get my point. There, are, You could look at this by vote totals. You could look at this by membership. You could look, look at this by fundraising. You could look at this by media coverage. You could look at this by candidates. Uh, some would say, so, so I think some people would argue that if you look at elected libertarians, we've had a bit of an uptick in, in, in recent years. Not enough that to me that, I, I, you know, that might be true. Well, I think it's, it's over a hundred elected libertarians around the country in, you know, somewhere between one and someone correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, we have a handful of state legislators. We have, uh, you know, Jeff Hewitt, uh, technically highest elected libertarian in the country as uh, uh, one of the supervisors of Riverside County, which is like their, their County council or, County Board of Directors, but by jurisdiction, political power, budget, he has, he, he has more political power than most state legislators. So he's he's considered the you know highest elected libertarian right now. Uh, and and I think if you know you, you add up all the the school board members and city councils, you know we're over a hundred. But then you look at Joe Jorgensen's vote total, you know, and I, and I I'm a, I'm one of her biggest defenders in the, in this sense that I think she did a lot better than the number would suggest. I think she was robbed of a lot. And, uh, but, but even then, even in my most optimistic analysis, we're still in this like three to 5% flatlined for 40 plus years. Found the numbers though. Oh yeah. Yeah. As of 2020, 224 libertarians holding That's elected it. office. 96 of them partisan offices, 128 non yeah, so like, you, do you count those? I mean, we count those if you're a registered libertarian, you're a party member, and it's a you know nonpartisan city council seat or or uh, you know school board, you know something like that. Happy Monday! Oh, Bethany is joining us from Good Mississippi. Morning, Bethany. Um, so this is there. So, so as the biggest asshole of the weekend, I'm 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 asking everybody a question like, why are we stalled? How do we break out of it? Or you know, why do we accept it? And why is this obnoxious call coming through still? Um, so, yeah, Sh Shannon Lee comes, jumps in with the Karen Ann Harlow's drama. Karen Ann Harlow's is trying to be kicked out of her position. Trying to be kicked out yeah, on the LC. They effing suck. We all need to stand behind her. She stands for everyone. Um, 
I think you you I don't think you phrased I didn't think you mean to phrase that right Unless as like she is as just like self-sabotage. And like I'm gonna self-sabotage that, quit. Well, so we not. so we we got to hang out a little bit with Carrie Ann this weekend and talk to a number of other, you know, LNC members. And I got to ask the chair herself, Whitney Billy, you I said, you know, what's what's your take on Karen and Harlos in that situation? And she said, I'm not gonna say anything. For now, I'll have you know a formal announcement. You know, I said, Can you say procedurally, what are you gonna do? She said, you know, that that's coming. You know, Monday or Tuesday also. So we're looking forward to that. There is some, but even then I I'm looking at that through the lens of our, our 50 years and going like, this is fucking dumb. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that there is a committed group of good people on the LNC. I think there's, I think there's a handful of plants, um, not just people who are being manipulated by, uh, you know, ex- external actor you know bad actors but i think there are actual infiltrators on the lnc i think there are people on the lnc who are not there for uh in, in good faith yeah. they're 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 saboteurs of some kind and uh that they are holding it down that they are maintaining the lnc the organization in such a way that anybody can you know file and register and run for office you know as, as a libertarian um, but I, 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 I can't help but feeling that, you know, we are being held at arm's length by a bully with his hand on our forehead as yeah. we swing at the air, punching wildly. And Especially when you get to talking to people in public, it's like when you talk to people, they identify with this message of freedom and liberty and then, and then, so it's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's weird to see the, the. The plateau we're sitting on. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, that that's I guess that's it. That we've plateaued. So I'm glad that that is there. And 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 I heard one actually great argument for hey, this is okay. Keep doing what we're doing, which is that we're just keeping our spears sharp for when the country is ready, and that that it, it's bigger forces kind of beyond our control. Yes, we should always be pushing to wake people up. We should be pushing the message. We should be putting up good candidates to represent the message to the general public. But the point of libertarian party activism is just so that when the country is ready, we've got credible candidates ready to take over every position and move the country in a significant libertarian policy direction. Whether that's, you know, my principal vision of decentralization, which I think is both moderate and pragmatic and radical, that would be three things, but you get my point, right? It's all those things. Um, Not both. It's it's all. Is there a word like both for three? It is all three, as opposed to it is both. All tray, all, it is all rice, no, troth, all... troth. Right? No, it's not a word. Uh, no, but also, so I, for all like it, all those reasons, like I'm glad that that you you know we can or anyway we, we can we can be ready. Um, and and it might be so that it, it might it might be very disappointing to some of us in that uh we get something that's that's moderate or Gary Johnson-esque, or even Bill Weld-esque, but by those of us who care enough for principled good reasons, even to be ready for that moment, keeping the spear sharp, keeping the organization there, that that's, I, I, I cannot argue with the tactical value of that. However, I am not satisfied with waiting, and, and I don't think any of us should be, to say, okay, well, we're plateaued, 
And this is the point of everything we're doing is, is, is to be ready for when there's some other social shift beyond our control. Like, no, even then, and maybe that's the LP, right? Maybe that's the LP's job. Here's our word. Here's our word. Tertiary. Tertiary. No, tertiary is third in ranking. I think both is inclusive of the word both means inclusive of two things in a specific way, a specific grammatical function. I don't think there's a word for, for three in that. Tertiary is primary, secondary, tertiary, quartiary, quartiary, whatever it is. Yeah, tertiary. Yeah, third in order and ranking, right? Or in, in prominence. But uh, in primacy, primary is the most prime. Uh, well, I got a Facebook notification. Holy shit. Ooh, we're live on Facebook. Facebook Ooh. and they, they right. told people. They told them. Anyway. They're not going to suck us back in, but anyway. So I, I, I'm asking like these these bigger questions, and I, I have to say, as as much fun as I had asking over the weekend, I was kind of disappointed with my answers. And and this is one of the things where, uh, if, if we've been turned into controlled opposition, uh, and controlled opposition, like I, I, I use Alex Jones as an example of this, right? I think Alex Jones is more or less genuine in what he articulates he, he more or less believes like yeah he skews things yeah he'll fudge things yes he'll sensationalize things but he's not like a, a, a complete actor right that would be that would be worse for them you think how did alex jones get his start in in major media how did he, he make his name it was am radio which means the am radio gatekeepers wanted him to have that platform they gave him that opportunity before the openness of independent media internet options existed for Alex Jones to then take that and, and, and build his own platform, which was then you know, later attacked and is now adapted in certain ways. But my point is they did the people behind nine 11, whoever, whoever you think that was, whatever you, whatever you don't want someone who's professional and credible and articulate and can put on a suit and tie and has the degrees like Richard Gage who's architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, you don't want him to be the face of the 9-11 Truth movement. You want the face of the 9-11 Truth movement to be tinfoil at Alex Jones, I got the documents, they're making the frogs gay. You want that guy. The guy who's overly emotional and 10% rational in their delivery, maybe not in... So that's one mechanism of the powers that be creating controlled opposition you go here's this legit opposition how do we make it something controllable and in the case of the libertarian party i think it's a lot more complex than that and one of the ideas that so so like i've studied cointel pro and if, if anybody who's watching this or listening has not at least read the wikipedia page for cointel pro that's the fbi counterintelligence program cointel pro and this is their operation from Smoke. the 60s and 70s. Smoke lots of weed first. You're going to need Yeah, it. you're going to need it for this. Oh, man. It's just... Um, and then look up, like, UK undercover relationship policing scandal. And But, but COINTELPRO, these are the guys who are responsible for a lot of the assassination by cop with the Black Panthers, like Fred Hampton, a lot of the uh, sabotage of the anti-war movement, like the story of Scott Camille. Please go watch the mini-doc. A seasoned veteran it's available on youtube it's just 40 something minutes long uh tells the story of my 
proxy, my predecessor, the guy I look up to as a Vietnam veteran against the war to my Iraq veteran against the war, where anyway, his experience was that much more, just like Vietnam was more intense than Iraq. His experience as an activist has been more intense than mine, where the DEA sends an un- attractive young woman as an undercover agent to go, uh, to go marry him? To, no, no, no. To just to, to introduce him to heroin. The the marriage and kids thing was in the UK. It was the UK again. If you, there's a Wikipedia article about this, very common, mainstream, accepted, incontrovertible sources because they had to settle for this legally. Uh, the British police agents that were involved in this, and it was for the environmentalist movement. British police infiltrated uh, the environmentalist movements, married and had kids with some of their targets. That's the depth of the evil that the authorities, the establishment, this is, they it's are willing don't even to stoop to, to defend their rackets. So, you know, one of the stories we're going to cover, actually a couple of stories we're going to cover today are about um, anti-COVID mythology, anti-mask, anti-lockdown activists who mysteriously then died from COVID. And I'm thinking like, if you're, if you're the, the, the pharmaceutical companies, remember the same people who are running the military industrial complex, essentially the same people who've been responsible for all the worst of these rackets, right? All of the most deadly. Um, these are the same people now who make up the boards of directors of BlackRock and Vanguard holding companies who own just those two, just those two groups own over half of the mainstream media in the United States and big pharma. You know, well, if they were willing to kill and directly overtly to make war when they could, I mean, these are the people who have been keeping the war in Afghanistan going at this point. And they're going, you know what? We can give that up now. It's not that efficient as a racket anymore. We're making way more money with the COVID bullshit. So let's just focus on that. They, I, I have sort of hesitated to become in some way the face of some part of the anti-COVID mythology lockdown shutdown mandate efforts as I was part of the face of the anti-war movement because I'm, I'm actually more afraid for my life now. And it's really easy to just Oh, well, he got COVID and then he had to go to the hospital and then who knows, you know, he just, he's one of those, he just happened to be young and healthy, but you know, it, it, and I, even those, those young and healthy cases where, oh, they died of COVID. I'm like, I don't know. Sounds like medical assassination. And I know that sounds paranoid. That sounds out there. And I, I'm not saying though, this is, it? this is one of those things. I'm not, I'm not getting overtly paranoid I'm saying this is absolutely happening but i have to look at what's going on right now and to not consider such possibilities i think would be irresponsible and it's like is it that or is it something greater so back to the lp and and, and what to me is my greater existential challenge right now as a libertarian right is that uh well actually let's 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 work back to the lp through karen and harlos and laura ebke for those of you that don't know the background on this Karen Ann Harlos is the pink-haired secretary of the LNC who has been re-elected, what, once or twice now to that position. Um, she has been chair of the Libertarian Party of Colorado, married to uh, Wayne Harlos, also a libertarian superstar activist who has been 
I forget when they, when they were doing Colorado State Party. Um, she was chair at one point, and he or he was chair at one point, and she was secretary for both. I don't really care. It, it, it's the, they, they as a couple were the, were the people behind LP Colorado for a lot of years until uh, Wayne was a, Wayne as chair running for re-election was defeated by Victoria Reynolds. I think in 2018, right? We were at that convention. I was at that convention when it happened. Um, and I love all, all of these people, like individually and as activists, and I see them going at it with each other. Uh, and and Victoria Reynolds is, is no longer directly involved with the party. She was there this weekend. And I don't think I, I'm betraying any, any. I won't say exactly what she said because she did say some things to us in confidence, but she's not a fan of Karen Ann Harlow's, having been chair and seen what she thinks is a destructive pattern. And right now it's sort of Karen Ann Harlow's versus Laura Ebke at the national committee level where Laura Ebke, again, someone I'm, I love, I'm friends with, with, with all these people personally. And, watching this, and, as, and, and I, that one theory is that people are just being baited into to fighting each other. And, and actually someone brought it up this weekend because they saw me and Larry Sharp hanging out. And one of the things I'm known, oh, Ryan Graham, chair of LP Georgia who I have a lot of respect for is another, you know, long-term workhorse kind of activist for the party. Um, he, he brought up when I kind of embarrassingly went after Larry Sharp for his working with Bill Weld. And I had to admit I was baited by saboteurs, by, by someone I know was my campaign manager and later turned out like just someone who ended up stealing our bank account. You know, like, and and she was the one who baited me into attacking Larry Sharp publicly, and it was dumb. <laughs> so I I know I say this with the humility of someone who has gone through it on that side, and so maybe it's Laura Ebke is being baited into attacking Karen Ann Harlow, and Laura Ebke is the former Republican state senator from nebraska who changed her affiliation to libertarian and then lost re-election because she did that standing up to the gop machine and i like I, that, to me that's i mean that's Dude, like that's badass move that's, that's we're talking justin amash well, by the way justin amash we got to meet in first in person yeah. for the first time this Good weekend that was fun um I thought he'd be shorter. <laughs> he's he's actually like six one or six two. Yeah, he's pretty he's tall. Kind of tall dude. Um, so seeing so Laura Epke Friday, like right as we're going into this 50th anniversary party, in anticipation of the LNC meeting next weekend, files a motion to suspend Karen Ann Harlow's as secretary of the LNC for uh decor and she actually accused her of a nap violation which was like kind of specious it was it was like well you wished ill violence against someone or thought that someone else would or was it a warning it was like no like that's not a nap violation like you you, you, you can argue technically that it is but again one of the things that is libertarian we have to keep in mind to keep us from being committed to principle at the expense of, uh, of pragmatism is that our application must be based on pragmatic principles. And so like, did I violate the nap by, by flicking Joey's head? Yeah, of course I did. Cause I didn't Violet. ask for permission, but like Sheena owes 
like no harm, no like what? Yeah, I guess I violated the nap right now on camera, live in front of the world on the internet. Oh my gosh, Adam violated the nap, but I take responsibility for it because I know, like, I have confidence that Joey's gonna go. Okay, yeah, he did it in the interest of the show and making a point. It was funny, but yes, technically, I just violated the nap by flicking her head without her permission, right? So, yeah. you know, it, it's again, that's, it's that's assault too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, assault. I mean, simply touching you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, uh, proportionality, uh, a lot of the stuff with Karen Ann is, is a, appropriate criticism of style. If you think that that's a standard that you want to bring to the LNC, but she was elected by the membership knowing that she was a colorful character and a radical, you know, and, and so dressed nice and, and pulled the wool over everyone's eyes. Yeah. But you were getting into, and she was voted and, so here's so let me let me wrap up though my thoughts on the LP and 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 the sabotage because Joey actually made this point last night when we were driving and it was or or said something that like triggered this or put this together for me in that like I, I have this Cointel Pro expectation but I also like of 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 sabotage so I go oh my God maybe Laura Epke's a government plant maybe she's the one the Republican Party set her up and job blah, blah, blah. and then you go. Yeah, that's possible. And somewhere they're probably doing something like that or worse. But in this case, you go, eh, it's pretty unlikely. What's a lot more likely is that there are enough people, and, and Joey pointed out, maybe Laura's former Republican friends are, are talking to her going, oh, you're associated with that crazy pink-haired lady now? Whispering and she goes, oh, I'll do something about it. I you know, and, and maybe there's that there's there's a little bullying, there's a little social pressure, there's all that. And it, it, there doesn't have to be a bigger conspiracy because if enough of, if there are enough people who can do petty shit like that, then you don't need to directly infiltrate oh, the LP. It's way right? easier, right? So Bethany, you know, I'm, I'm learning the dirty world of politics. Yeah, and, and Bethany learning this in, in Mississippi with her wonderful efforts with uh, We Are the 74 with you, with uh, pushing for medical cannabis and prohibition territory there. Uh, so I, I think to, to my experience with Iraq veterans against the war versus Vietnam veterans against the war, it was important for me to recognize that when, uh, by the way, COINTELPRO got exposed because a group of activists broke into their field office, an FBI fucking field office. They broke, I mean, do you know how I... That's Insane. so gutsy, man. So gutsy. That's water. That's age that. Shit yeah. Right so there. they broke in. They stole the documents, mimeographed them, and blah blah. Anyway, so the the FBI got called on the carpet eventually by Congress. Eventually, and said, "Oh, we're so sorry. You caught us. We're oh, well, my hey, bad. We'll never do it again." And you go, "No. <laughs> How have they evolved and become more subtle about this?" And you think of the powers that be, whose objective it is to keep the LP as controlled opposition. It might even just be at the level of the string pullers, the leadership, the actual leadership of the Democrat and Republican parties who have $2 billion annual budgets they want to defend. And it, 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 or if you're the establishment itself and you go like, like the military industrial complex, ah, the anti-war movement is a threat. The black Panthers are a threat, whatever it is. Do you, why would you use the FBI and risk getting caught and having a scandal with the FBI when you can have low-level motherfuckers in the uh, you know the old political parties as operatives doing that dirty work if it's enough. 
Yeah, it, why? If that's enough, nudge this person, yeah. piss them off, get under their skin, get them to go do X, Y, or Z. Remember, their goal is not to murder activists. That's Violent a means to an end. The goal is to render movements that challenge the existing power structure of society ineffective. And so I, I've been very conscious about this. It's a Mark Jason Walker. There are no powers that be. It's a fraud by nature. No man has authority over me. All right. I, 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 I'll, I'll take your, uh, let me get through my rant and then I'll reconsider my use of the terminology. But you, I think you understand the way I'm using the word, the powers that be, as in, you know, the string pullers of these major institutions or the super class of the several hundred most rich and powerful people in the world. Right. So see, don't, yeah, I get your point. I get your point. Well taken. Um, so if, if that's the case, how may, maybe I'm overestimating their power. Maybe this is kind of, you know, they've kept us at this level, but then what, what if we, what if we break through? What if, what if the movement gets so much momentum that the petty manipulations of like, and, 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 and Laura, I, I, I apologize again for, for speculating on your name here and, and suggesting these, these things, but like, I have to consider, I hope you understand this, this is out of, I, I, I put my love for freedom above my love for Laura Epke, <laughs> um, you know, and that, that maybe like it, it, it's almost an insult to her. And I recognize this to say that she's susceptible to this kind of peer pressure or bullying, Any but who knows how many people, story. but who knows how many people are being threatened as well behind the scenes. And, and, and in a way that's like, you know, if, um, if you don't do what we say, we're going to put kitty porn on your computer and that's going to be your, your third, or we're going to reveal this thing about your cousin, or we're going to your, your, your brother who's in jail. We're going to make sure that they spend the next three years in solitary. You'll never you know, work in this town again. Yeah. It, 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 there's, there's a lot of, a lot of behind the scenes bullying that with, uh, I mean, perhaps there is some bigger conspiracy, but with, with better applied techniques can be more effective sabotage and can be more difficult to detect. But if we break through, if we get traction to not, you know, to break through this, do they start assassinating people? Do they start jailing people? I mean, they killed John McAfee for being loud about taxes because they knew that him coming back to trial in the United States would be such a destabilizing force. And I feel like over my activism, I've kind of walked that line where I'm like, I don't want to like, I'll, I'll die for this if I have to, like, if it's, if it's. If it's if it's if you told me Adam you die tomorrow and then government ends the next day I'd be like let's throw a fucking party sign me up uh, yeah, you know sayonara yeah like uh, all right let's do this but uh, I think it's more effective to live for this and to keep fighting and, and being a part of this uh, rather than you know even as John McAfee being the one that steps out in that particular way and gets that attention. So I'm kind of moderating that for myself, but I want to ask the question <laughs> of the movement, like how do we get this hand off of our forehead or do we just start swinging, you know, longer and, and recognizing that in the course of human history, there will always be people conspiring with authority to exploit everybody else. That's just not a government thing. I mean, that's a, what, what's her face from full house was, conspiring with the college to get her kids that weren't too smart in, right? I mean, this is, this is, this, this level of corruption is a human thing, but, but that being said, because it's human, because it's inherently in all of us, right? Whether or not we do that or, or it's a different story. Of course it's going on at the government level. So I see 
this moment in history then, not as this fundamentally unique moment that is is going to be the turning point in all of human history, although it may be, but maybe it's a cyclical opportunity where, like in the past, going from completely violent, dominating monarchies where if you spoke ill of the king and he said off with his head, off with his head, and that was it, you know, to where we are today of modern bureaucratic governments to, I think, what is the next important historical social evolutionary leap for humanity, which is the abolition of coercive institutions of government. And I, and I, I think that's actually a reasonable goal for our generation to say, and, and, and for me, you know, coming up on my 40th birthday to say like, yeah, if, if I'm middle-aged, I think I'm more, I think I'm more like quarter age. I'm going to, I'm going to live to be 160, no problem. But if, if, if I've been alive for 40 years, I think in the next 40 years to say, yeah, we're going to do this for the libertarian movement, for the people, like this is our goal. Like in the Libertarian Party, it's codified as a world set free in our lifetime. To me, what does that mean in terms of manageable or, or like goals? Smart, you know, smart goals was it specific, measurable, uh, attainable, realistic, and 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 time specific or something, right? Um, but it, the specific goal, I think, of our generation of libertarian activists, of freedom activists, of 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 people who just want to fight injustice, to stand up to the powers that be, to stand up to all of those evil conspiracies of the world, to say, let's get past the point of institutionalized coercion. Let's do that. Let's, let's, let's like, it's not, we're going to abolish everything called government. No, that's, that's silly. That's not. Is it weird though? Can I not, is it a circle? You say evolve into no coercive establishments. You go back. That is that probably not how we started. Every man for himself, right? No, 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 no. So, Joey, no, I, jo- hold on, no, no, Joey, Joey, Joey. This is a sidebar. If, if I remind, may remind you from chapter two of Freedom: Brief History of Power. The analysis where that fits into the continuum in my model is that in those primitive societies, even if you want to say there was a jungle culture or you know how we evolved out of that, it was strongman rules time back then. Okay. So it was worse. It was still more direct. You know, you think about humans evolving from more primitive species. You think about how violent apes are, you know, and in, in, in just in competition between tribes and tribalism. But even within the tribe, the, the competition for dominance is a raw brute force. Biggest man who can pick up the biggest rock is in charge. Right. And even from there to monarchies. Oh, God told me I'm in charge and I want to keep the peace over bigger territory. That's positive evolution from state of nature, humanity. Right. So that's why I see this as a continuum. So you could say, yes, Joey, there there hasn't been large scale institutional mechanized warfare. And that's a modern phenomena. But even with that, as Steven Pinker shows, the overall death rate at the hands of human beings has gone down over time and that so so that still fits my model your point you see how that fits in but to today back to today you know how do we break free of this as a movement how do we overcome the the hand on the forehead and in a way a part of me right now like i love doing the show i love talking about this um by the way we're considering a major announcement taking a little time off from adam versus the man in a couple weeks uh, it's been a long season of with with of, of uninterrupted five day a week shows more or less, and and coming back with a weekly model 
it would be like a four hour or five hour even and weekly show. How dedicated so, are is everybody that tunes in every Yeah, every like it's not weekend. just because it's not in line with this product, you know, and that's a separate that's a separate question. But as I'm asking this bigger, you know, these bigger questions, um, I mean, one, I think the show is going to be more effective if we spend more time focusing on clips and packing more guests into a weekly show and making it like a weekly listen live kind of event rather than trying to get. And we do we, we're thinking Wednesday evenings. Anyway, that, that's all side. I think we're going to be more effective doing it that way. Um, but it's it, it, it's also uh something that gives me more strategic flexibility and focusing on home front battle buddies where it's like, it's not political. It's empowering veterans and psychedelics and challenging, you know, the medical establishment and veteran suicides with alternative therapies. And, you know, is that, you know, if, if we, if, if we unlock the, the fear box that the, the government's got us trapped in, Right. Maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe that's the next form of activism is getting every, dosing the water supply. All right. With that, Stop it. <laughs> watching on Twitch. He wants to, yes, Neil, we are on the road today. Yes. We're in Gallup. All right. Gallup, well, Mexico. We, and Mike Freeman wants to know where grandpa Jim is this morning. We've right. done producer notes, producer here. notes. That's it. That's my opening monologue. <laughs> Big questions. I hope you all appreciate that. That's where I'm at. A uh, little update on the LP there update on what's going on in my head and how I fit all that into the bigger picture. And I, I know that the people who are listening to the show right now are, you know, share my fundamental passion for this. And so if you can help answer these questions, um, I, I would certainly appeal to you. Uh, my email is Adam at the freedom line.com. If you want to write me and you know, take your time, maybe write a more thoughtful response to this. And I'll be reading these emails like all, all on the show. It's one of the things certainly in the weekly model, being able to put more organizational effort into the content, more response to emails, more time taking calls. But today we got a great guest, um, Dr. Michael uh, Edelstein, PhD, uh, really cool, actually mental health, very appropriate for this when we were considering, well, you know, maybe we, we maybe, maybe there's some other way around this, uh, this challenge of modern institutional coercive government. So with that, Jim, it was the producer. What's going on, y'all? Good morning. Very uh, interesting rant this morning. You covered a lot that was all-encompassing. That might be a, a, an extended clip in itself, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I'll drop you guys down get the promos out of the way so we can move on with the show. Just so you know, t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. If you hadn't heard, that's a Telegram channel. Uh, Telegram is a messenger app. You can find all the links for everything that we talk about on the show right there. It's a really cool, free uh, you don't have to do anything or sign up. I mean, you have to sign up for Telegram, but you don't have to do anything extra. You just have to join the group. It's free to everybody. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. We got one, five, ten, even $50 a month packages, $10 a month to get you access to a private producers club. That's also a Telegram group, but that one you have to be invited to by either winning a contest when we have them or buying your way in through patreon.com very cool if you want to get involved check it out there next we check out instagram at the garden of freedom uh, all the pictures of life up there in gardenia all the fur babies all the sunsets that you can imagine uh all four seasons you can check them all out at instagram the handle is at the garden of freedom that's what you search you'll be able to find it click follow and you'll be uh in there like swimwear 
Next, we're checking out homefrontbattlebuddies.com. The veterans nonprofit Adam was talking about earlier, uh, looking into alternative therapies. Uh, the end game is to end the need for combat veterans in the first place. It's a beautiful goal. If you want to help them along their road to do that, you can do so at homefrontbattlebuddies.com. All of your donations to that website are theft deductible. So uh, that's an awesome feature. Definitely take advantage. Next, the crypto6.com. The Bitcoin church that was raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. We tell you about it every single day because uh, we're going to keep mentioning it until their charges are dropped and they are all out of cages. If you have an abundance of any of these cryptocurrencies, you can donate some of it to their legal funds with those QR codes. You can write to Mr. Nobody who's still sitting in a cage on this top link right here. Those are our favorite things to do at thecrypto6.com. Next, we'll check out gogreenenergyonline.com, the website we send everybody to to learn about solar panels, micro wind power. If you want to get your home a zero energy home and start saving yourself money, getting yourself off the grid, no matter where you live, you can educate yourself to do it yourself at gogreenenergyonline.com. And today we have a bonus promotion. Uh, it's just a pure beauty from heaven. Everybody knows what's coming. There you go. There's your there's your moment from heaven on the show from grandpa. She loves her grandpa. She's holding on tight. So uh, I love you all as much as she loves her grandpa. Oh, she's beautiful. beautiful. So beautiful. Well, hey, one last production note, if not producer's note, I guess here. The Telegram channel, that's where I really want to focus. And getting away from doing the show daily is going to allow me to, on a daily basis, again, t.me slash Adam versus the man. I love this app. I will promote this app. This is not like a social media platform. It's a messaging app that is supplanting the functionality of social media and allows someone like me to create a channel there that you can subscribe to. And then I can message you directly. And I, I, I really need to do a better job of interacting directly with people there. But that's what I, I don't want to talk to people on Twitter. I want to talk to people on my Telegram channel. Comment on my stuff there. I'm posting memes every day. We post the show notes with all the links from this every day. We, when we go to a weekly format, I think the Telegram channel is a better way for me to serve my audience, for me to be able to put out a useful stream for y'all on, on a daily basis. You can, we're going to be putting out daily news, headlines, clips from the weekly show commentary. And I really think Telegram is an important part of the future. Definitely for us right now, transitioning away from, like, I think I might just kill my old Instagram, my two Instagram and, and, and Adam versus the man is like my main one. And that's where I can post images on that. Like anything else, I don't need, Instagram. Instagram's not giving me any traction. It's really funny. If you look at the history there, my Instagram account has been flatlined between 20 and 22,000 followers for like the last six years. It's, it's, it's like I, I went from zero to 20,000 followers and then flatlined. And you're like, as if nobody else was inspired past that point. Oh. That's not organic. Oh, you know, and, 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 and that it, it, it breaks my heart not just to know that I'm up against that. Because like I take that as, as as a point of pride, like I'm worth being shadow banned. Okay, well, and I guess and you're not catching flag if you're not over the target. Uh, but it breaks my heart to think how I have been fooled and sucked into investing so much time and effort into these platforms that have now revealed themselves to be fundamentally crossed now as in now or over the last 10 years. Like when I joined Facebook in 2005, 16 years ago when I was in college, it was a different world, you know. But now it's like obvious. Anyway, we have a lot of headlines to get to before our guests. So let's see if we can get through at least we got we got hurricanes. 
we got COVID and we got war. That's right, Afghanistan. Uh, so first up, our, our sympathies for everybody in New Orleans right now. And uh, we have some friends out there storm chasing, which is cool. I don't know if they're watching over there. If they're out pointing their cameras and cowering right now. I need to go storm chasing um, one day. That's definitely a bucket list thing. Yeah. Hurricane Ida hitting New Orleans. Crazy, crazy storm. Uh, first headline, NOLA.com. All of New Orleans without power after Hurricane Ida leaves. Catastrophic transmission damage. Yeah. Uh, a slow-moving move, hurricane Ida has left all of Orleans Parish customers without power due to catastrophic transmission damage. Next, and this is crazy, from Bloomberg at Yahoo.com, New Orleans facing weeks of darkness on hurricane damage. And, I, I mean, I I love New Orleans, and I, I love the community. It's where we did the book bomb. It's where we did the 2018 Libertarian National Convention. I, I think as as much of all places in the United States, one of the reasons I chose to do the book bomb there is they have the biggest gap between libertarian culture and spirit and statist government experience. And it's it's really sad that the, the people of New Orleans haven't since Katrina gone, hey, let's let's really you know, get ready for the next one. And they've been fighting the institutional momentum of so much statism and corporatism. And that's why now New Orleans may be without power and air conditioning for more than three weeks in the I week mean, of hurricane. Wait, wait we got to get through these headlines. Okay. So yeah. Um, almost 750,000 homes and businesses were without power across Louisiana as of 7.26 a.m. local time on Sunday, according to poweroutage.us, which tracks utility outages, the blackouts were concentrated in the southeastern tip of the state that includes New Orleans and where Ida made landfall. Uh, of course, there is an intersecting story here that is unique from Hurricane Katrina. I mean, at the time, it was like, oh, my gosh, Bush is dealing with Iraq and Afghanistan and now Hurricane Katrina. Well, now it's COVID on top of that. This headline from APNews.com, Ida slams Louisiana hospitals brimming, brimming with virus patients. So you think about Babylon crumbling right now, and then a weather event like this happens, Hurricane Ida, to a society, an American economy that is strained economically by shutdowns, supply chain shortages, the employment crisis still ongoing, the uh, impending, slowly unfolding eviction crisis, et cetera, et cetera. And whereas even in, in, in Hurricane Katrina, it, it, there, there wasn't all of this other stuff going on that made the system that much more vulnerable. I, I mean, I, the, the collapsitarian in me is, is cheering. Of course, the human in me is going, fuck, this is going to suck for a lot of people. This is going to be really a, a, a brutal time the people of, of new orleans and and that whole area around it that is affected by this hurricane but specifically the power outages on top of this now of course a lot of hospitals i think every hospital in america at this point i don't correct if i'm wrong it's got to have some kind of backup power system but if it's on top of dealing with covidiacy and it's not dealing with covid that's the strain yes i understand that's an extra burden like a bad flu season but it's the strain of vaccines and mandates and shutdowns 
and oh, we have to fire nurses if they didn't get vaccinated. It's going to be causing a whole other world of hurt for people in New Orleans, and you know, in, in, in the coming weeks. And so I'm I'm watching this, kind of hoping it's not as bad as I I fear it may be, but that if it's as bad as I I fear it may be, that because there are so many other intersecting dynamics with authority around COVID right now, that it's going to become a, a massive teachable moment. That's, that's always my hope out of tragedy like this. But to our COVID block, this first frightening headline from cauldronpool.com, South Australia trials app to monitor quarantine compliance through facial recognition and geolocation. And the story is pretty much what you would expect from that headline. And this and and yeah, this is some really disturbing shit. We are on the verge of, in a lot of places. By the way, um, I'm I'm very excited to uh, to say that we have was it uh, David? Um, oh geez, now I can't Google line Google Google Calendar. Our our Australian PM friend. Google logged me out for some reason. Google. Google. Oh. Um, David, is it David Limbrick? Yes. Is our, uh, is this pulled up? David and he's coming on next, next week. week. Uh, this is an interview like sort of worth stopping to tease ahead. And this might be our last show in this format, right? It'd be a good one to end on. And he's coming next on like Tuesday. 3 a.m. his time. So yeah. Ahead of time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This is really cool. David Limbrick is. Uh, a member of the Australian parliament who joins us for a live interview next Tuesday. And I've like, I've been watching Australia in the news just in general. And like, Holy shit. Um, yeah. Like of, of all the kind like, I know there are other examples of more frightening police state enforcement of COVID policies, but overall shutdown of society Australia is pretty frightening. Now, to the United States, uh, got to point out this next practical story as one as, as a matter of warning for where we are with COVID vaccines. And I, I don't look at this as a reason to get the vaccine. This is this to me. This is oh shit. You got to step back from Babylon right now. Like as Babylon is crumbling, pieces are going to land on your head. Like I get yeah, you see where is that stretching the metaphor too far this guy, right, is, like, falling. This guy is falling but no. for example like if you're if, if you're living in new orleans and then the hurricane comes and then oh well you didn't have a vaccine so now you're not qualified for this relief aid and now you're on your roof during the next big flood and oh we can't evacuate you and it's like that's that's babylon crumbling and a piece of it falling on your head and going i they're shit uh so this one Washington Post headline at msn.com, a judge asked a mother if she got the coronavirus vaccine. She said no, and he revoked custody of her son. First time. First time. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I don't don't want to get into this story too much. uh, Just to point this out as one of the new threats, and this isn't the – we've covered stories like this, judges – using COVID mythology in their punitive bullshit legal framing uh, in in a lot of these cases. And family court is already such a fucking disaster. You know, um, 
Keep your kid out of government schools. Keep your marriage out of government legal view. Keep your kids away from government. Shit like this is going to happen. And I, if you, you haven't figured that out, how to like stop? Why? If you if you're in a position where you're, if your kid is going to government school right now, stop watching the show. I know this is a slightly unrelated example. Well, there goes ninety percent. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, but no, I'm, 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 yeah, no, I'm dead serious. Like, I don't no. care. I don't care about my audience. I mean, I don't. Excuse me. I don't mean to say. Uh-huh. I love my audience. <laughs> I don't care about having a big audience so much as helping people and having an impact. If your kids in government school right now and you can't figure out a way to get them out of that situation, or you're not, you haven't already hit the wall on that one, uh, you shouldn't be watching the show. You should be working on that. If, if, if you haven't figured out how to get out of your status job to transition to something better, you know, stop watching the show right now and go figure out that. Don't let Babylon fall on your head. I mean, I've said enough. There's nothing else in the show. To, although I guess and I don't know. No, no, wait. Our guest. Hold on. Wait, wait until wait until our guest. Wait until our guest comes on. Um, yeah, because our guest has some actual powerful practical information in this realm too. Um, I think uh, I, I'd like to think all of Adam versus the man has some of this baked into it. But seriously, if you haven't fixed those fundamental problems, take that story. And I know it's a dumb little quirk of the legal system, right? Well, you didn't have the vaccine. Now you don't have custody of your son, you know, and your heart's got to break for that woman, but stop and think, what are my vulnerabilities like that? CNBC.com Israel doubles down on booster shots as daily COVID cases set new record. And Israel now is being held up as the great example of the failure of the COVID mythology, super vaccinated and still getting a lot of new cases. Well, gee, maybe the vaccines don't work. And yet here are the bullet points on this story. Israeli lawmakers are keen to avoid another lockdown after overseeing one of the world's fastest vaccination drives because Israel is uniquely statist, a collectivist a regimented society. New daily coronavirus infections, however, have just climbed to record levels. COVID-19 transmission in Israel declined sharply as the country vaccinated more than half its population in around two months. From thehill.com, New Zealand reports first death following Pfizer vaccine shot. The significance of this story is that they're actually admitting that it was, a, and, and even this headline, uh, even this headline is, so I got a, I got a phone temperature warning here. I don't want my phone to shut down right before our guest. That would be bad. Uh, we open windows at, at, at risk of a little more road noise here, perhaps it's getting a bit warming. Let's, 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 let's open some windows. Hopefully my phone won't overheat during this interview. or Otherwise, Jim is going to have to finish it for us. But yeah, here we go. So thehill.com, when, when the headline says, New Zealand reports first death following Pfizer vaccine shot, and it, it, they mean the first death that they are admitting was directly caused by the vaccine. And what's interesting here is it could be Moderna and Johnson & Johnson going, uh, let's make sure like they're they're competing against each other or they may be competing against each other to make each other's vaccines look bad to make theirs the good dom- good safe dominant one right that's the one that saves the world and theirs is the effective one the other ones are totally ineffective right um well, just that's yeah. fine like this yeah that's fine just you want to just open that window no no sorry yeah. gonna start oh just yeah start the power. Uh, that's going to trip everything up, too. Just give us a 
solar flare in the vehicle ruin all of our signal right now so this but they're they are now looking at this one death and this is um myocarditis a rare side effect of inflammation in the heart muscle um, there have been some great memes about this too by the way i almost got to share i'm i'm subscribed oh they good they renamed the group from anti-vax cum preservers did you see what? that no i was sharing me i was forwarding memes to adam versus the man it's voluntarist memes it's a bunch of like meme, I, I mean, meme I, yeah. guys uh you know who, who, like shit posters partly it's, it's, it's fun stuff group. it's funny stuff it's i'm glad that they renamed it but for a while they were jokingly calling it the anti-vax cum preservers as in you know people who um maintain that fresh sperm that good healthy yeah. unvaccinated unvaccinated sperm, sperm. But uh, so they, one of their memes has this uh, Moderna and Pfizer coronavirus vaccines linked to mild heart inflammation, but benef benefits still outweigh risks. And it's like mild heart inflammation is a sense that makes no sense. If your heart is inflamed, the situation is not mild. Lol, they are bending over every which way to save face and it is failing. <laughs> and someone commented, fiery, but mostly peaceful heart inflammation. Peaceful riots inside your heart. Uh, yeah. The Straight Times, straighttimes.com. Switzerland warns of terror attacks on COVID-19 vaccine sites. This is the most bullshit headline. There's no, uh, there, there might, I, but I'm predicting there are going to be false flags. There's going to be, someone's going to shoot up a, a vaccine site and they're, they're going to try to use this to make the, the COVID mythology and vaccine effort that much more sympathetic. Um, but no, Switzerland's federal intelligence service is warning of potential terrorist attacks on coronavirus vaccine infrastructure, including vaccine centers, transport and manufacturing facilities. Newspaper NZZ Am Sontag reported on Sunday. And that's it. There's there's like there's nothing else in the story. Just, you know, uh, in terms of credibility, where are these things coming from? It's just random fear mongering because government can raise the specter. Reuters at news.trust.org, Greek police used tear gas, water cannon during Athens vaccine protest. A lot of the protests in Europe we're seeing like this uh, are experiencing violent shutdowns, crackdowns. Uh, but a lot of it, I just should point out, is focused on the vaccine passports. That's the crux of the debate in Europe, it seems, right now. Uh, Daytona Beach News Journal, I told you we'd have two death headlines after three-week COVID-19 battle, Daytona Beach talk radio host Mark Bernier dies. And this is a guy uh, who was um, saying, the, the headline from Drudge Report was saying, oh, yeah, this is a guy who was uh, skeptical about COVID and then dies from COVID, right? And was was, was very much anti-vaccine anti -vaccine mandates. Then the Hill.com, Texas anti-mask movement leader dies of COVID-19. And it's like, is a 30-year-old dude, young, healthy, and then, yeah, it's just, it's, so a couple of economic stories. Next, dnyuz.com, the world is still short of everything, get used to it, yeah. Um, again, if you want to get into this and see more of the economic particulars, show notes at t.me slash Adam versus the man. Another related story, Wall Street Journal, wsj.com. Unfinished tractors, pickup trucks pile up as components run short. Supply chain problems cause order backlogs, cutting to sales volumes for companies like Cleveland Cliffs, Honeywell, and Illinois Toolworks. 
<coughs> and this is just another big measure of uh, Babylon crumbling. And I, I, one of the reasons I want to share these stories is that I want to war- I want everybody who's like, you know, thinking, why are things shitty where I live? It's kind of everywhere right now. Lower your expectations for corporate services to be delivered appropriately uh, or, or promptly or effectively or efficiently. And, and I, I, I just reminder from compassion. Don't be a Karen. Don't be a dickhead. Don't, don't take it out on the people who you're dealing with as at, 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 the, at the point of sales or retail or, you know, the customer service employees who are struggling with the same shit from the other side of the coin, be nice to them, be compassionate. A lot of them are, I mean, it's it, shit. If you still have a job, you can go and go into a regular job. Like good for you. Uh, but yeah, let, let's be sympathetic to people who, who just have to be the face of Babylon, Babylon crumbling right now. All right, a couple quick stories and we'll get to our guest, San Diego Union Tribune, mad moms and mask mandates. Will they determine whether Newsom is recalled? Very interesting to see how the California recall effort for Governor Newsom relates to mask mandates, COVID policy, and if he's going to be able to you know, get out some checks and some more unemployment money in time to save his ass. We'll see. Reuters.com, again, Australia. Australia's COVID-19 cases hit new record as reopening debate hit, uh, heats up. Uh, so finally, our very last story in the COVID block from Wall Street Journal, WSJ.com. This is a big silver lining for me. Makes me very optimistic about my fellow millennials. I'm, I'm only 39. I'm technically a millennial. Uh, these millennials are dumping their jobs to plot new careers. With several years in the workforce and some savings, some young professionals take an early career break to reassess and chart a different path. <clears throat> now, uh, well, you lost your job because COVID. We'll just call that an early career break to reconsider your now limited options. Uh, so, th- yeah, you could t- you could be totally uh, down on this story from that angle. But I want to look at this from the positive angle that because of the shakeup of COVID-19 policies, shutdowns, lockdowns, forced unemployment, et cetera, et cetera, there are a lot of millennials who are just reconsidering their careers from the ground up. And that's a beautiful thing. So without further ado, our guest today is Dr. Michael R. Edelstein, PhD, private practice, clinical psychologist, author, podcaster, and blogger, written four books, including the award-winning three-minute therapy and rational drinking, which is like, I, I, oh, I can, I can drink rationally too. I, 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 know, I know there are people in my audience as, as uh, enthusiasts of, of different conscious expanding experiences who want to hear about this. His podcast and YouTube channel are at Three Minute Therapy Podcast. He blogs on Psychology Today as the three-minute therapist. And you know what's funny, Michael? I, I just made this connection actually as introducing you because for this show, which I've been doing in some version of this format for I, I don't know how many years, um, I've, I've, I've reported on a lot of stories that I research from Psychology Today columns. And I think I've read a couple of yours over the years. 
but what I'm what I'm most excited about, and well, t- I, I want to talk to you about COVID and COVID policy and the and the psychology of this uh, impact on the American public and how people are being you know beaten down in so many ways. But what what I want to make sure we get out of this interview for my audience, I think, is is, is your most valuable contribution to the world of psychology, which is this idea of empowering people to be their own psychologists when so, or their, excuse me, their own therapists to, to, to take charge of their own mental health and to be empowered when so many others in the medical establishment are like, no, take our drugs and come in every week and give us lots of money and let's make you dependent on us. It, 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 it speaks so highly to your integrity as an actual healer that, that you are saying, no, let's empower you to better manage your mental health. So, uh, Dr. Edelstein, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us this morning. You're welcome, Adam. Thank you so much for your kind words. I've been a follower of yours for a long time, and it's an honor to be here with you. Well, I mean, with all of this, uh, I mean, em- empower my audience, sir. Where I, Do you want to start with, with COVID context, or do you want to explain, you know, g- give us your, your basic pitch for why people should be tuning in to your podcast, why people should should get this book, Three Minute Therapy, and, and, and adopt this approach. Yes, and you said why, and that is you can be your own therapist. There's no need to be dependent on therapists or analysis for years and years and years and help them pay off their condo or their BMW. <laughs> <laughs> Or their, their, their school bills, their student loans, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Save it for the freedom movement. <laughs> uh, so the basic idea here, Adam, is that although intuitively it seems like our emotions come from situations, the reason we have fear is because of COVID or the reason we have fear is because of the government's uh, vicious policies. But... Uh, the way emotions work is quite different, and that is our emotions don't come from these situations, but rather they come from our thinking about the situations, our ideas, notions, opinions, views in our head, what we tell ourselves, and that's a very empowering idea because if you're creating your anxiety, your depression, your guilt, your fear, you can change it. You don't need a therapist or therapy for years to do that. Just identify the thinking that's causing your emotion and ask yourself, is there any evidence for this thinking? Is it working for me? Does it follow logically? So if you ask yourself those questions, normally the answer will be no, there's no evidence for disturbed thinking, thinking that causes anxiety, depression, and guilt. There's no evidence that it's logical. There's no evidence that it works for you. Usually it makes you feel depressed, (laughs) hopeless, those kinds of things. So uproot that thinking. And uh, a more specific way to do that is to uh, know what type of thinking causes our disturbed emotions, and that's thinking in terms of demands, musts, shoulds, supposed tos, have tos, because I prefer to have a good interview with Adam, therefore I must. It would be the end of the world if I flubbed (laughs) it. Or because I would 
like you to see things my way. Therefore, you should. And if you don't do what you should, you're a bad person. As yeah. Albert Ellis, my mentor, said, who's written over 80 books, Albert Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, said, shouldhood is shithood. When you start <laughs> with a should or an absolute, then you tend to add, to lead to global conclusions. Uh, so, And then there's no reason why the world has to be the way I would like it to be. The world doesn't have to be fair, reasonable, ex interesting, exciting, or hassle-free. Life consists of one hassle after another. Just listen to the news and you'll see the proof of this. And there's no reason it should not. That's the way life is. You better accept it and then do what you can to change it rather than eating yourself up inside about it. So identify those musts and shoulds and show yourself their fictions. Yeah, I know there's so much baked into what you just said that, that, that I'm really passionate about, but I, I want to uh, challenge you for sort of playing devil's advocate on behalf of the medical establishment here. So how dare you suggest, doctor, <laughs> that people can just think their way out of depression? How dare you suggest that our emotional disturbances are based on incorrect logical presumptions that we can just correct and think our way out of. How dare you suggest that depression is not a disease that needs to be continuously treated with therapy and medication? How dare you suggest that we don't maintain this traditional uh, abusive, emotionally abusive form of therapy, which is, oh, just come in every week and sit in a dark room and dwell on your negativity. Yes, exactly. How dare I suggest it? And the answer is easily. I easily <laughs> suggest it because that's the reality. And I try to get as close to reality as possible. And that's my job in helping my clients because when you have emotional disturbance or you're acting in self-destructive ways, you're much further from reality. So, so that's what I teach. Not only is it easy, but it's a lot of fun and I'm enthusiastic about it. I love these ideas as I love the freedom ideas. So it's wonderful to get the word out. Yeah, I, I, we're going to get to specifics. But I want to, two sort of overarching questions I want to ask first. Uh, is, is, is it fair to say that when this approach is an option and has enough clinical data backing up its efficacy that to keep people doing traditional therapy where it's tell me about your negative experience over and over and over again, that that's kind of abusive to say, like, just, just stay in your negative emotional state. Let's, 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 let's train your brain to be in that negative emotional state. It, 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 is it too much to say that that mentality of therapy is a form of abuse? Well, it depends on how you define abuse, but it's not emotional abuse because, as we now know, you create your own emotions. So if it's emotional abuse, you're abusing yourself. <laughs> so take right. responsibility for that and do something to change that. But if you hear nonsense, there's no need to abuse yourself or eat yourself up inside about it. Figure out what the nonsense is and what you can do to change it in your head and in the head of others. Yeah. So there's, there are two big principles I hear in, in what you're saying that are 
very much in line with critical principles of nonviolent communication that's very important to me and that are, are so important to mental health in general and separating ourselves from the current destructive authoritarian pharmaceutical-based paradigm of medicine. And one of them, as you said, is taking responsibility for your own feelings. And, and I, I think that's, I think that's so huge because we have come to this sort of snowflake era or even envy or even uh, in, in COVID. Oh, well, I'm afraid of COVID. Therefore you have to change your behavior. Um, <laughs> right. So that, yeah. that's one that, that taking responsibility for your feelings, but you said it earlier uh, in terms of avoiding the language of compulsion. Right. It's not I must or I have to or you need to. And that that language creates a, a trap psychologically that then leads us into negative patterns and emotions that someone might seek therapy for. Right. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, I just want to mention to your audience, you mentioned NVC and Adam is referring to a, a great approach to relationships mainly. And it's called Nonviolent Communication. There's a very good book about it. The seminal book is called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And I often yeah. recommend my clients read the book. So it, it, it sounds like a lot of what you're doing is applying nonviolent communication to the internal relationship, your self-dialogue, your relationship with yourself. Because we, we can use the NBC framework to say, don't bully me with your emotions, take responsibility for your emotions, and I will do the same, and we will have a conversation of greater integrity and less manipulation. But then if you do it to yourself and you say, ah, I can be responsible for my own emotions, I can be empowered then, and I can internally have that dialogue with myself between is, is, is that a fair way of describing or understanding what you're trying to bring to the uh, yeah. therapy process is yeah, is it, yeah engineering a, that internal conversation. Exactly. Yeah. It's a wonderful way of describing it in reading nonviolent communication. I was asking myself, what's the difference between what Marshall Rosenberg says and what I and Albert Ellis says, and you've nailed it, Adam, that, my approach, rational emotive behavior therapy, more broadly known as cognitive behavior therapy, yes, is how you help yourself and communicate with yourself, and nonviolent communication takes it to communicating with other people fairly exclusively, although I do teach people how to communicate with others also, so we're on the same page there. Yeah, but, I want to, before we get into the specifics, like I said, this question from Mike Freeman is a good one. And he's saying when, when we hear fear and outrage and these emotional manipulations from the media, uh, how do I keep that from affecting me and my relationship with family and friends? Well, there are a few ways. And uh, this brings up another concept I teach called the problem separation technique, uh, which you could use on your own. You don't need a therapist. And the problem separation technique says as we go through life and as we go through the day, we have various challenges, how to be healthy, how to uh, work for freedom, etc. And those are practical problems. But then being imperfect humans, we often escalate these practical problems into emotional problems. So we worry about being healthy or we eat compulsively 
or we get angry at people who have different views, which isn't going to make us very good advocates of our views. So uh, those are emotional problems. So uh, the thing to do is to decide what are my practical problems and what are my emotional problems and work on each separately because if you have emotional problems, you use emotional problem-solving strategies, which I'll discuss later. And if you have practical problems, you work on practical problem-solving strategies. But if you try to mix them and try to help practical problems with emotional problem strategies, it's generally not going to work that well. Uh, I lost your question, uh, Adam, there. What was it? About about how to, how to keep that from... Because that, that's a great answer for the general response to the emotion. But w when you see friends and family getting caught oh, right. up in that yeah, public right, hysteria, right, 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 right. How, do, how do you relate to them or yeah, stop yeah. that, keep that out of the right. relationship? Maybe. Yeah. So uh, using the problem separation technique, what are your emotional problems? Are you angry at your family? That's not going to help you get along with them. Do you feel hurt because they're criticizing you and calling you an idiot? That's not going to help you get along with them or get along with yourself. So, uh, so we'll discuss how you work on emotional problems. Well, that's, to that's work getting Zen for yourself and we'll come back to that for sure. But in, in to this question specifically, if you're Zen and you see friends and family getting caught up in public hysteria, how do you, or, or, or statist propaganda kind of fear mongering, how do you help them deal with it? Yeah. So that's the practical approach. And the answer is you could try to discuss it with them if they're willing to discuss it, which often they aren't. Right. But if they aren't willing to discuss it, there's nothing much you can do. You're not going to take out a gun and say, discuss it or I'll shoot. That's the role of government. But you uh, <laughs> often it's better just to avoid those discussions. And with some of my family, that's what I do. We agree. We're not going to discuss politics. They tend to get hysterical about it and always mention the T word, you know, Trump. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so if you don't agree with them, you're a Trumpist. No, so, no, so this, is, this is a great answer, though. Like, is it, it, it if we recognize that politics, so like in that question, what, what he's saying is that politics and these conversations are, have become about fear for, for family and friends. And you can set an example by being being more Zen, being centered, being unaffected by it, but recognize that they don't want to talk about it because for them, it's not a political issue. It's an emotional issue. Oh, yeah. They're right. not at that level of, of intimacy or right, comfort. Right. Yeah. It's so, like their identity. And we could discuss the problems with self-esteem. Yes. They identify with their these views or the tribes they're in. And uh, no one can say anything bad about their views, which means criticizing their tribe and means criticizing them. So, uh, so they tend to often get very upset, hysterical, yeah. stop listening, try to close you down. So in my view, it's better not to engage. Okay, so I, I, I want to I come back to that subject at the end of this conversation about the, the social implications, how maybe we can apply these ideas as activists to be therapists or empower society to, to, to apply these ideas more. But first, I, for people in my audience who might still be skeptical or not quite understand the immediate application of your technique, I'd like to pick an example of, say, anxiety. and I, Because I, I think that's something that's very prevalent Right now, I think society is experiencing a particular surge in anxiety around where we are with COVID right now. 
I'd like to address that. So if, if, if someone is experiencing anxiety about their job or relationships or just everything about their future right now with COVID, how would you use your techniques to hack into that anxiety and say, here's your incorrect premise. Let's adjust this. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take the fear of COVID. And uh, so the first thing I would do is I would say, do you want help with your fear? Would you like to feel less or no fear? Because if people aren't interested in uh, having an open mind and changing their views, then I don't think you're going to get anywhere. So the first thing to do is to get them to buy in. And then uh, you could tell them, well, I have a theory about why you're afraid of COVID and it's not the COVID, but it's your thinking about it. And then we get into the thinking as I did in a general sense earlier. If you're afraid, anxious, worried, nervous about COVID, it comes from your thinking and thinking in terms of demands, must, should, supposed tos, have tos. And often with disease, it's a, uh, a demand about a guarantee. I must have an absolute guarantee. True, I'm wearing two masks and I had the vaccine and I'm social distancing, but there's no guarantee I'm not going to get COVID. Mm. So keep away from me if you didn't get a vaccination. Uh, so it, you would question that. What's the evidence? I have to have a guarantee. I have to be certain I'm not going to get COVID in this uncertain universe. And obviously, there are no guarantees. Anything you do is a risk. You know, most people die in the bath. Most accidents in the home come from slipping on your bathtub and hitting your head. Yeah. So yeah. why aren't you wearing a helmet in the bathtub? <laughs> You have a worse chance of hitting your head and slipping than you do of getting COVID. Uh, so you could point out some of the uh, irrationalities and illogicalities. But again, if they're interested, if they're not interested, it, as you're talking, they're convincing yourself what an idiot, themselves what an idiot you are. And certainly that doesn't help your cause of having an open mind to try to uh, influence yeah, no, so what, what you're suggesting here, let me make sure that I understand this, is that for someone who is feeling an irrational fear, for someone who is overwhelmed by an anxiety that's driven by a specific fear, you say, let's examine your, your, your compulsion language assumptions. And what you're saying is that if you identify, you've got this false assumption that if you can't accept any risk whatsoever when it comes to COVID and you have to accept the standard of, of perfect zero risk and wear double blah, blah, blah. And so you get to, all right, let's point out all of the other, like without challenging anybody's understanding of what COVID is, right? Let's say like, look, let, like, so stepping back for a second as a libertarian activist, I want to say to like my audience, Hey, what if we could just get America to not be hysterical about COVID, not change the data, not argue the data. What if we could just get them to not be hysterical about it, to not be hyper fear based and get them to accept that there are, that this is just one more risk of all the risks in life. Let's look at this calmly um, and, and get them to that rational acceptance of risk. So that all makes sense to me. And to someone like me, who can say, okay, I've been, I've had this anxiety I don't, I don't want to live in that anxiety. 
this helps me process it. But what if it doesn't sink in? Well, if it doesn't sink in, well, again, it means getting them interested in it sinking in. But if it doesn't, and often it won't the first time, then it means repetition, review, practice, going over a better way of looking at things again, again, again. And this hinges on the person being motivated to do that. And my clients are motivated to do it because they're using their time and money to try right. to get help. Uh, I really don't try to uh, cure people that I meet on the street or my neighbors. Yeah, or right, right, right. Like no, I'm, I'm, yeah, well, I'm going by the assumption that this is someone, these, these people, someone who's motivated. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, um, right. Well, but, I tell them, I tell them to get my book, Three yeah, Minute so Therapist. Yeah, this gets us to the Three Minute Therapist. So these right, specific right. practices of reaffirmation of this realignment, this is what you lay out in the book, right? So what are what are those yeah. techniques? Well, the techniques is, as we've been saying, is to identify the problem. And if it's an emotional problem, not just a practical problem, then look at the thinking that's causing it. Your demands, your musts, your shoulds, your global evaluations. I'm no good. You're no good. Life is no good. You can't stand it, itis. I can't stand it uh, that you're not wearing a mask. <laughs> uh, and the awfulizing. It's awful, terrible, and horrible Right. if, if I get COVID or even die. We're all going to die one day, so you better get used to it. <laughs> and, that's, and that's a risk in living. So uh, evaluate the thinking and uproot the thinking by putting the lie to it. By the way, that's the way science works. We have a hypothesis. The earth is flat. And then we ask for the evidence. Is there evidence the earth is flat? So I'll sail east and see if I fall off or come around the other end. And then I'll have some evidence for or against my hypothesis. So this approach uses the scientific method. You have these ideas. What's the evidence? What's the data? What's the proof that supports them? And if you don't have any proof, then you better not live your life according to these ideas. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really tempted now to take your time and go, all right, you want to deal with tougher anxiety? We're going to deal with my anxiety about okay. FBI and COINTELPRO and not feeling effective enough as a movement. But I yeah. think that that might I'll be a cure you, Adam, I'll cure you. <laughs> What's that? I'll cure you. Oh, I mean, if you want, uh, you so, all right, all right, let's 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 see. If, I, I, I know we have you for limited time. I want to ask you, like, the bigger picture questions about, you know, how we, because I think we can all see that this is a very, uh, that this is the right approach to therapy that compared to the primitive approaches that, that are just, you know, go over your negative emotions, but challenge assumptions, reprogram yourself and, and be empowered. Um, and, and I want to apply this to society because I know that if you take away the fear, you take away the ability for them to control you. For me, I, I don't know if this is jumping down too specific of a rabbit hole, but my anxiety recently has been that everything we're doing as libertarians, as, as, as activists, even for you, in, in, in the sense that you're an activist trying to realign how we do mental health. I think that's I think that's activism, you know, um, that, that everything I'm doing is 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 futile because the powers that be are able to, you know, keep me swinging in the air, punching at the air while they keep a for you know, a hand on my forehead. And I, I, it, it, it's, I, I'm not overwhelmed with anxiety, 
but it's this like existential crisis that I'm experiencing right now that is kind of preventing me from being enthusiastic about my work. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's interesting. Walter Block addresses this and he says, even if he was on an island and no one was around to hear his <laughs> freedom ideas, he'd still be writing articles and books and things like that because he loves doing it. So yes. really, Adam, the first approach is how do you feel about getting the freedom message out and uh, knowing you, you love getting the, the freedom yes. message out. So even if it's getting nowhere, at least you're doing what you love. And that's great. That's great. I think the purpose of life is to enjoy yourself and uh, you're doing that. And okay, then but I'm, if I'm, you I'm, are, yeah. I'm seeking, a, I'm seeking a higher purpose with my activism. And I would say that if I am doing activism that makes me feel good in the moment at the expense of being effective in the long run, I am denying myself the greater satisfaction of maybe saving a lot. If I'm just doing this podcast and ranting and it's fun every day and I feel good, that's great. But what if I spent this two hours a day instead actually going out and counseling veterans and I would save lives and that would be more effective. Right, and right. even though it wouldn't be as fun, I, I'm getting more satisfaction because I'm being more effective. Yeah, exactly. I think you said it very well. So analyze the short-term pleasures and satisfaction against the long-term pleasures and satisfaction. And that's what you just did, Adam. So in your case, go for the long-term and get, if you think that speak getting out there, speaking to veterans and things like that does more good, then do that. Okay, so here's my anxiety that my anxiety is not do I do which one do I do? Matt, my anxiety is I don't know which one I am doing. My anxiety is the oh geez, uh I am I am I just having a little circle jerk over here when I could because it's fun and feels good yeah, when I could yeah. be doing something more effective. Right. And right. I don't know. The the anxiety yeah, is in right. the oh, I see. It's, it's about the indecisiveness. Is that right? Yeah. So Again, you have a must because it would lo be lovely to know the best thing to do. Therefore, I absolutely must. It's awful mm. that I don't know the best thing to do. I mm. have to know the best That's thing it. to do. So yeah. I'm depressed, anxious about finding the, by, the best thing to do. But there is no best thing. Thomas Sowell said, there are no solutions, only trade-offs. So you make trade-offs and you take your best guess. That's all you as an imperfect human can do. Take that's your best it. guess. No, no, see, that's that's the point I'm going to ponder. You, What you identified for me is that I have the false assumption of compulsive language that I must be doing the best thing exactly. as an activist in order to be exactly. satisfied with my work and to be able to happily go about right. it enthusiastically. Right. That I'm going to be meditating right. on. And be careful, Adam, that you don't go from I must do the best thing. Well, since there's no best thing, it doesn't matter at all. You know, I might as well uh, just listen to music or something like that. Uh, there are better things. There's no reason why you must do the better thing. Yes. Either, but there are better things. And then we get to uncertainty. There are no guarantees. Take a guess and do the best you can. Yes. And if you're still indecisive, then flip a coin and do what the coin tells you, but you're better <laughs> off doing something than just sitting on the fence for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that's, you, it. that's it. That's it. I'm going to, I'm, so I'm going to be looking at your book now to, to, to learn 
the ways to, to, to really make that sink in. So I, I, I know, I know we're at time here, but whatever time you want to take, sir, I, I want to know what you see as how your ideas apply to this unique historical moment that we're in right now with COVID, with COVID hysteria in particular, uh, but, but also whatever pitch uh, that, that you want to include here, the website, three minute therapy.com is your main landing page. There's, there's all sorts of great resources there. And, and I encourage everybody to check it out. So uh, doctor, whatever, whatever other time you have here to, to help answer these, these bigger I questions. Have, I have another 30 minutes. Oh, well, let's I, do it. I set aside plenty of time. Uh, so again, the best thing to do is if you want to change people's views of COVID, their fears, uh, get people uh, aligned with the freedom message. If you want to do any of those things, there are two approaches. The first is, uh, do I have emotional problems about this that are blocking me from taking practical steps? I have fear of failing or fear, as you did, Adam, and that's a thing of the past, about finding the right thing to do. Or you feel hopeless because you don't see a lot of progress, or you have these other idea, uh, emotions that are stopping you, then look for your musts, look for your shoulds, uproot them, and then do the best you can. Join the Libertarian Party or vote for Dave Smith for president or whatever you think the best thing is to do is, uh, is the way to go. Albert Ellis, who is my mentor, who I started as a client with when I was 18 and an emotional basket case and failing out of college. Uh, Albert Ellis, and he's written over 80 books, so read his books as well as mine. He said, somewhat jokingly, but there's an important message there, if, you're, if you like war, work for war. If you like peace, work for peace. But have a goal, and this is the way to enjoy life, have a goal, have a project, a long-term project that you can work on, but see small gains along the way and work on that. Make it your passion, and then you have some meaning in your life and some uh, excitement that's motivating you. So that would be my message in terms of what to do uh, in the practical world and then in the emotional world, as I'm saying, get over your emotional problems, your blocks, your disturbance, addictions, by looking for your demands, your musts and shoulds to overcome them. By the way, I lead, uh, at no charge, I lead a, a self-help meeting for people recovering from addictions. And uh, if you want to find out more about those, uh, they're called SMART Recovery, S-M-A-R-T, which stands for Self-Management and Recovery Training. Go to smartrecovery.org, and all the meetings are listed there. You're welcome to come to as many meetings as you like. And it's not just lectures. We encourage questions along the way so uh, you can learn more about this with your questions. I also have a podcast, as Adam mentioned earlier, called Three Minute Therapy Podcast, which is available on YouTube and on Podbean. And I'm a Psychology Today blogger. So that's on psychologytoday.com. 
and uh, it's called The Three-Minute Therapist. By the way, I do want to mention also my co-author for Three-Minute Therapy is a noted libertarian, David Ramsey Steele, a brilliant libertarian. He wrote a book called From Marx to Mises, which is about the rational calculation problem. Uh, I think that's most of what I can say in concluding, but if you'd like to go on and just talk some more, I'm happy to. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, this is all amazing stuff in terms of the, the, the personal empowerment. And I've got smartrecovery.org pulled up here that you're doing this kind of work and making it available for free is, is amazing. Again, it, it, this is why it speaks to your credibility. So I want to ask you then, because you have that credibility with me and I hope with my audience now that uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on the COVID hysteria and how we inject these ideas to address that, how this can make it more effective. Because in a lot of ways, I find the, the there's a futility in arguing facts with people um, who aren't libertarians. I mean, libertarians uh, as the, the INTJ personality type, a lot more rational. And we have to recognize that we're kind of the nerds in the corner trying to talk to everybody else who doesn't quite think like us. And so we, we, it, w when we're talking about what's going on with COVID, like I'm really motivated because I see that this is the greatest injustice of our time. The use of COVID hysteria to manipulate populations and economies to serve the interests of the rich getting richer at the expense of everybody else. And I, I'm like, I'm real, I'm really fucking passionate to address the hysteria, to address the injustice. And your analysis would suggest that there are some must statements that are that are now assumptions for the average American around yeah. COVID that right. we yeah. have to that, that we can deconstruct those and maybe deconstructing those might be more effective than arguing statistics or do you trust government or not? So maybe what are those? Those, those must assumptions, like I must have perfect health or I must be protected from COVID. Uh, and I must have and, a guarantee. Right, and then how, how can we use your principles maybe on a larger scale to inject a, a, a loving, compassionate, empowering challenge to those, state, those, those incorrect assumption must statements? Well, we can get a law passed saying you have to read three minute therapy. That'll do it. <laughs> but I don't I think in some way, Adam, you're looking for something that's going to change things overnight or you're looking for a silver bullet because you're working at this uh, very well, very eloquently. And uh, and I was listening to your discussion with your earlier guest about covid and and uh, shooting down all the lies about it. So. You're, you're doing a great job in this direction, and uh, different libertarians are doing uh, different things along their lines. And, uh, and uh, Mao said, let a hundred flowers bloom. The more different things, the better. A new uh, liberty and freedom movement I've just uh, gotten to know is called Live and Let Live, yep. uh, which also Live and Let Live is really the non-aggression principle. What's that? Mark Victor's movement, yes. Yes, yes. I recommend him as a guest. Yeah. And uh, he has um, chapters in a 
whole host of countries around the world. I think the largest chapter of Live and Let Live is in Africa. And there are chapters in Poland and Australia and Italy. And I'm starting a chapter uh, with a partner in California. So there are all these different ways to go about it. And I think the more different ways uh, we go about it, the more influence we'll have in the thinking of the people and the culture. Okay, fair enough. But so let, let me try to ask my question question more specifically because I'm maybe I'm not. I, yeah, it sounds like I'm looking for a silver bullet. Like, hey, if we just talk to them like this, they'll get it right. Yeah. But what? But I I am looking for better messaging. You know, I, I mean, if you're supporting David Smith through the nomination 24, that's awesome. What would you want to see? whoever the nominee is of the, of the Libertarian Party, because you get that nomination for at least a few months, you have the biggest Libertarian microphone on earth. In that context, maybe as, as an example for us, what would you want that person to say uh, in, in applying these principles with better mes- messaging uh, to, to empathetically connect and, and deconstruct some of those, those must statements that, that underpins statism itself. Well, again, in your, in your question, you supply some solutions. The first step often in uh, getting people to listen to you is expressing empathy. And yeah. uh, the politicians <laughs> know very well how to do that. Um, but I think it's an important. So uh, expressing what uh, you see as people's fears and what you see as why they're afraid and then uh, launching into an approach, a counter approach, which you were doing earlier on your earlier show, or what I do in terms of getting people in touch with their need for a guarantee and certainty and showing them how that doesn't work for them and uh, how it's limiting their life. So it's those kinds of things. Now, in terms of a mass movement, maybe my co-author, David Ramsey Steele, would be a better person to ask because he has a PhD in sociology. Uh I'm a clinical psychologist. I work with people on a one-to-one basis, but uh, there are probably good ways to move society as a whole. But you're doing one of them, which is getting the word out on your uh, YouTube channel. So that's great. Uh, Another another thing I think that I think you've done some of is uh, some... uh, civil disobedience. And I think a, a good role model for this was the gay group ACT UP when uh, there was a vaccine dis- discovered for HIV. Was it AZT? And you yeah. know the, the FDA takes years and years to approve of a drug and ACT UP did very civil disobedience and uh, got their, their uh, actions in newspapers and things like that, because it was disobedience in public. And I think they moved the FDA to get off their ass and (laughs) approve the ACT a lot sooner than they usually approve other drugs. So that could be a very, very effective method also. Well, so in, in messaging, the part of what we want to communicate to, to the general public is that well, so I, I want to use my, my, like when I hear your advice here, I'm, I'm ready to jump in and say something 
in a speech to the American public that I know is the wrong way to do it. And it's your fear is irrational and you need to accept risk as part of life and stop cowering in fear and then voting for the duopoly as a result. You must have a nicer way of saying that to get people to not just intrinsically, because I know people are just, you say it like that. You're telling them they're wrong. They're going to reject it. Yeah, yeah, I have a nicer way to say that. But keep in mind, Adam, as a clinician, I already have people in the palm of my hand because they've come in, they're paying for their time, they're highly motivated. So I have an easy job. What you're suggesting is is not like that at all. But my nicer message is, uh, do you think you have a problem in your having anxiety and fear? Most people would agree they have a problem. Would you want help with it? And most people would want help with it, but their idea of help is getting you to wear two masks and three vaccines and things <laughs> like that. So, uh, so I think most of this to will fall on deaf ears unless you're a master speaker and motivator, as some libertarians are. I think you are, and Mark Victor with the Live and Let Live movement is definitely in that category. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, some of uh, Dave Smith is. I hope he runs for the Libertarian nomination for president. And uh, so we have a lot of good people working with uh, with us on this message. Walter Block is yeah. a great one. So uh, there are a lot of people who I think are doing the kind of thing to move society. And uh, if you viewers want to uh, be more of a mover and shaker, then emulate some of these people. So I, what do you see as driving the, the COVID hysteria? Like what, what are, can you, can you apply your therapy framework to analyze the, the, the general American public right now? This is a, yeah, there are a few things that, like yeah, not diagnosing from a distance, but if it's a yeah, general yeah, population, yeah, it's okay, are, right? You're not yeah. saying that, that Biden is senile here, but to the general public, right, yeah. you know, what are the musts? What are the emotional things that, that we all need to be more present to right now about this moment? Yeah. The few, the things that are driving the hysteria are, as we've said, a need for a guarantee. Another is a need for a leader who knows who's much wiser and uh, smarter than you who could tell you what to do. And half of the American people have a leader and the president and their senators and things like that, at least they think. And uh, also tribalism. People want to be on the in-group in their tribe. They don't want to be an outcast. This is uh, an evolutionary fact. Um, so, so people look at what their friends are doing and what the people around them are saying and believing, and then they fall into step. So that's another thing that's driving it. And also fear. People are, uh, have a lot of fear about things. And if you can play on their fear, then this would drive them also. So maybe one of the things libertarians can do is play more, play the fear card more. And uh, what the government is doing to us and what it's likely to end in and how it's limiting your life. 
maybe more on that. But I don't, and also there's no one solution for all people. Different people are motivated by different things, but I think those are some of the aspects to it. Okay, so that, that raises a really interesting existential messaging question. What you said there is that maybe libertarians should use fear more. And I, I grapple with this myself, right? Because it, it, I definitely do not want to say you should be afraid and therefore you should give me power. That's wrong. That's not an option. But to say, hey, they're trying to make you afraid of COVID. They're trying to make you afraid of terrorists. They're trying to make you afraid of bad guys and muggers and criminals and blah, blah, blah. You should be afraid of government. That's the bigger thing to be afraid of. Like that's a legitimate fear to, pl to, to, to play to put in perspective. But even then I'm sort of like, shouldn't we be calming people down? Shouldn't, should, or, or, or is, is, there do we need to this is where it's like you got to apply your individual psychological analysis to the average american which is going to motivate them more to do something about this is that if the libertarians come in and say hey chill out don't be hysterical everything's okay love yourself be accepting be at peace or hey be afraid of the real thing to be afraid of government over there and then we can be at peace and etc. Yeah, I don't think there's one right approach. I think, you know, libertarians have different approaches to expressing the message. And the issue is what you're asking about, which is the best approach. I think the best approach is the one you're most comfortable with. And if you're most comfortable focusing on uh, the fear people have of the government and the COVID and how they could do things about that on the emotional and practical level, then do that. If you are uh, more comfortable writing books and articles, uh, then do that. Uh, if you're more comfortable in expressing a lot of empathy toward people and what they're going through, then use that. So again, mm. there's no right approach. There's no silver bullet. People are individuals. And to the extent that you know what motivates them, then... Uh, then that's what works. Uh, some libertarians, there was a, a good amount of libertarians who at one time were trying to do this with the Myers-Briggs Myers approach where you analyze uh, what your type, your, your personality type is, and you speak to that type. And libertarians fell in one of those quadrants. Marshall right. Fritz. Did you know Marshall Fritz? Not personally. Yeah, so Marshall Fritz was a big proponent of this. So you speak to their personality type. Yes. That's that's another approach. So um, so there are different approaches, and it depends on the personality and the the uh, traits and the genetic predispositions of the person you're talking to. And again, that makes it easy for me because I'm just talking to one person at a time, whereas you're talking to mass audiences. I don't think you can treat a mass audience the way you would treat one person. Uh, well, I, so okay. there are so, different approaches. So I'm going to ask one, one last question then. Uh, and and I, I know I, I keep challenging you to sort of speak beyond to that bigger picture because that's what's motivating to me. But I just I, I even if we could just connect everybody to your work, how incredible. I mean, th 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 this man's message 
in terms of how we should as a society do mental health differently is revolutionary. I think this is the future. I think this is going to be adopted by market forces inevitably because of its superior effectiveness. But this is this is really something that I want to see all of society get and be empowered. As an activist, I I want to apply this like right right now to my messaging. So my last big question is if if people come to you with this construct as statists, but we must have a leader. How do you deconstruct that? Well, I would first express empathy. Yes, in many ways, it's preferable to have a leader. And uh, businesses work normally because there are leaders. And uh, groups work. If you look at a baseball team, there's a manager and a coach. There are leaders. Uh, so I agree. It's preferable to have a leader. But you're saying because it's preferable, it has to be this way. It must be this way. And it could be there are better ways. So uh, get over your demanding, your musting, your globalism, and, uh, and look at what the best ways are. And sometimes it's uh, spontaneous order, for example, and no leaders. And sometimes it is with leaders like with the Libertarian Party. So there are, again, different ways. People are uh, infinitely different in some ways, have very much the same in how they disturb themselves with demands, musts and shoulds, but in many ways they're very different. So uh, look at the different ways and then jump in where you think uh, you could best help and be most enthusiastic about to get people over their fear of COVID and maybe get them into not their fear of government, but great concern with government and freedom and uh, it seeming to go down the drain these days mm -hmm. and working on that. So that, that would be my best answer to, to your question about that. No, that's great. I'm see next time I write a speech where this is relevant, I'm going to be referencing back that answer and thinking, okay, start with that empathy, start with, all right. I, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be applying this. Thank you so much for your time today, sir. The website, main website to find you, right? 3minutetherapy.com. There's also for uh, addiction treatment, smartrecovery.org with a lot of free services. Um, anything else you want to plug or, or, or final thoughts today, sir? Uh, just um, look at your thinking, abolish your demands, your musts, your shoulds, and avoid global evaluations, condemning yourself, others, and your life. And when you get to that, the ultimate goal is unconditional acceptance, accepting yourself unconditionally mm. as the imperfect person you are, accepting others unconditionally as the imperfect person people they are, and accepting life unconditionally as life consists of hassles and dissatisfaction. But in between all that, there's a lot of satisfaction and pleasure to be gained. So go for unconditional acceptance and um, read my book, Three Minute Therapy. Of course, if you have any questions or you'd like to uh, discuss any of this further with me personally, my website has my URL, my email address, my phone. I'm happy to do that. And uh, Adam, I love your passion. I love your ambition. And uh, you're doing great work. So keep it up. And thank you so much for having me.
Thank you, sir. And just to say thank you on behalf of the audience, I had to point out this comment. 1054 on YouTube said, I love this guest. I love this conversation. It is bringing out the best in me. So from our audience as well, thank you for sharing these powerful ideas. Thanks, Adam. Thanks. Keep up the great work. All right. So my phone hasn't overheated yet. Uh, we've, we've got the battery going. We got the, I, I was afraid if we kept Doc Adelstein on for the whole show that I'd run into some technical difficulties and Jim would have to finish it. But we did it. We're here. So we're going to skim the rest of our headlines real quick at the last few minutes. Man, I, that was a great interview. That was, that was it. Awesome. I got, I got my therapy for the day. There's Jim doing his job. All right. The headlines. Finally, APnews.com. Biden pays respects to U.S. troops killed in Afghanistan. In hushed reverence, President Joe Biden stood witness with grieving families Sunday under a gray sky as one by one the remains of 13 U.S. troops killed in the Kabul suicide bombing were removed with solemnity from a military aircraft that brought them home. Also in Afghanistan headlines, thehill.com, Pentagon acknowledges reports of civilian casualties in U.S. airstrike in Kabul. Yes, civilian casualties as a result of a drone strike on an explosives-laden vehicle carrying would-be suicide bombers in Kabul over the weekend. So you know how there are people trying to defend your country from us? Well, we ended up killing them and you at the same time while saying that we're trying to protect you. Oops. Oops. Uh, yeah. So remember the, the end of the war, as much as I've accepted that rhetorically, it is truly no such thing. Wall Street Journal with this headline, Afghan militants fire rockets at Kabul airport as U.S. nears withdrawal. Again, the deadline here coming at the end of the month. We will see how this unfolds with the threats from the Taliban to say that there will be consequences if the deadline is not honored. To Russia, the Guardian. Psychological violence. Alexei Navalny says he is forced to watch eight hours of state TV a day. This is the Russian opposition leader. Alexei Navalny, I'm a big fan, tells of brainwashing and propaganda in jail, but remains optimistic Putin regime will end sooner or later. The interesting thing about this, he says um, about the, you know, Soviet, the, the days of heavy labor and Soviet gulags are over, replaced by what he calls the psychological violence of brainwashing and propaganda. This is a fun quote from him. You might imagine tattooed muscle men with steel teeth carrying on with knife fights to take the best caught by the window. You need to imagine something like a Chinese labor camp where everybody marches in a line and where video cameras are hung everywhere. There is constant control and a culture of snitching. He said guards monitored them as they watched hours of state propaganda, not allowing them to read or write and waking inmates up if they fell asleep. He also said in this interview, quote, sooner or later, this mistake will be fixed and Russia will move on to a democratic European path of development simply because that is what the people want. And I wish him nothing but the best of luck in pursuing that. we got a couple other quick headlines that are going to have to wait for tomorrow. So with that, Jim, was the producer notes what's good wow that was that's interesting <laughs> what's going on everybody hope you enjoyed the show that was awesome best interview we've had in a while in my opinion that was real deep stuff uh 
T-Bot me forward slash Adam versus the man. It's a public telegram channel. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. That's where you can join the private telegram channel. Instagram at the Garden of Freedoms where you can see the pictures and videos of life in Gardenia. Homefrontbattlebuddies.com. All your donations are theft deductible. Thecrypto6.com and gogreenenergyonline.com. Click all those websites. Learn all those things. Love you all. Have a good day. It was on this day, according to goodnewsnetwork.org, this day in history, that on night this day in 1963, a communications hotline between the U.S. and Soviet leaders went into operation. On this day in 1965, the album Highway 61 Revisited by Bob Dylan was released. On this day, just a minute, brother. On this day in 1980, striking Polish workers of the Solidarity Movement, led by Lech Walesa, won a sweeping victory after a two-month battle with their communist rulers for the right to organize independent unions and the right to strike. And on this day in 1983, former Air Force Colonel Bluford was launched into space on Challenger, becoming the first black astronaut. With that, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.